Hey guys, really quick, this is an update from October of 2018. I know this episode was originally released in January, but I wanted to drop by and swing you guys a quick update because lots of you guys have been inquiring about the offer made on the show. Now, the offer made on the show is no longer valid, but don't worry, I have you guys taken care of. So if you guys would just stick around until after the episode, after the theme music ends, you're going to hear about the new offer that we have going on. And you guys are going to totally love it. So guys, enjoy the episode and stay tuned until after the theme music is over to listen for our brand new special. Happy New Year and welcome to episode 31 of the Before the Millions podcast with DeRay Alalia. Let's go get him. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye hey what's up what's going on btm community we're back it's a brand new year and we're back for another episode of the before the millions btm podcast i'm your host deray olalaye and on this episode guys we are talking about the six reasons why you should purchase your first investment property in 2018. Again, the six reasons why you should purchase your first investment property in 2018. Now, my goal for 2018, well, let me rewind. So a few weeks ago, I talked about having some big, crazy someday goal that you're looking to achieve over the course of time and breaking that someday goal into a five-year goal, figuring out where you want to be in five years and what it's going to take for you to get there in five years. And even breaking that five-year goal down a little bit further into maybe increments of yearly goals and starting with year one. What can you do year one to keep you on pace to get to your five-year goal? So what do you need to be doing this whole year to keep you on pace to get to your five-year goal? And then break that, that down by month and by week and by day and so on and so forth. So you realize what is the next thing that you need to do in your investing, in your business to get you to your goal to keep you on track, to get you to your goal, to get you to your goal by the end of the week, to get you to your goal by the end of the month, to get you to your goal by the end of the year. So I broke down my five-year goal into a one-year goal, and I clearly defined my one-year goal because I think that's super important. You know, Having your one-year goal clearly defined, and I'll tell you why it's super important here in a minute, but my one-year goal is to help as many people as I can, as many people as I can, help them navigate their way through purchasing their first investment property. That is my one-year goal, helping as many people as I can purchase their first investment property. And I'm laser focused on that goal. I talk about knowing and defining your one-year goal because of this. Last year, although I had my goals clearly written out and defined and I knew my goals, I would let other things distract me. 
I will let other opportunities distract me. Although I was very good about turning down a lot of opportunities, there were some times in which I just wanted to help out a friend. The compensation was nice. I owed somebody a favor. Whatever it was, there was always one thing or another in which I obligated my time to something that wasn't in line with my one-year goal. And this year, I'm not doing that. Now, I'm not saying that I'm turning down every single opportunity that comes my way. I'm pretty much saying that. But what I'm actually saying is that I'm putting everything else on the back burner. So anything that doesn't directly align with my one-year goal is almost not even going to get a second look. Unless it's a compelling, compelling opportunity to help or to be a part of something or to grow something that eventually may help my five-year goal, which again, still aligns with my goals. But literally, guys, my one-year goal is what I'm super laser focused on. So helping as many people as I can navigate their way through their first investment property. And it's funny because over the course of the past 30 episodes, we've talked about so many passive income streams, guys, to create the lifestyle that we've always wanted. We've talked about different income streams through real estate. We've talked about different income income streams through online businesses. We've talked about a lot and I've literally listened to you guys. I've made sure that I've watched the numbers for each episode and I know what you guys like, what you guys don't like. And secondly, I came out with the whole course that literally allowed me, allowed me to understand the wants, the needs, the desires, the concerns of my target audience. Two things that that I came away with from that course. Number one is that my avatar, my ideal avatar is somebody who is where I was two years ago. And I didn't know that before. So most of most of the people who, who went through the course, most of the people who listen to the podcast are corporate employees looking for a way to either subsidize their income through real estate or looking for a way to escape the right race through real estate. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Thing number two that I realized by releasing the beta version of my course so far in advance of the full course, which will be released this year, either summer or fall. But by releasing that beta version, the second thing that I that I realized was that I needed to broaden the scope of my course and broaden in the sense that most people are looking to get into their first investment property. Not everybody has the ability to house hack. Not everybody is in a position in which they can do that. So of course, there'll still be a house hacking section in the course, but the course will primarily be about how to get into your first investment property. So those are two things I learned. Anyways, this is going to be a solo episode, a solo podcast with just me and you. And we rocking a mic. Guys, don't don't let me feed off of this. Don't let me get too comfortable because I will do this every week. OK, so, yeah. But anyways, so guys, we're going to get into the six reasons why you should purchase your first investment property in 2018 and all the info from here on out, every single thing that I put out, every single thing that that you get through a newsletter, that you get through a blog post, that you get through this podcast, every single thing is going to be geared towards building the future that you want. So guys, a strap up and let's let's get into the tip of the week. DeRay's tip of the week. Okay, so tip of the week. How to achieve success in 2018. That's the tip that we're giving away this week. And by golly, is that a tip to start out the year with? How to achieve success in 2018. Are you guys ready? What is your definition of success? Can you clearly define success? And not just the the dictionary definition, oh, success is blah, blah, blah. No, what is success to you? What is success in your life? How do you know when you've arrived? How do you know when you can say that you are successful? 
Well, I have an answer for that. And I'm going to help you clearly define your success. We're going to listen to a short clip from Earl Nightingale. But he's going to tell us exactly what success is. And you may be surprised at what success is. Or it may be something that you've always known. But it's kind of always been in the back and not the forefront. Well, we're going to clearly define success in your life, and we're going to make sure that you're successful in 2018. So how to achieve success in 2018? Let's listen to a clip from Earl Nightingale. I'd like to tell you about the strangest secret in the world. Some years ago, the late Nobel Prize winning Dr. Albert Schweitzer was being interviewed in London, and a reporter asked him, Doctor, what's wrong with men today? The great doctor was silent a moment, and then he said, Men simply don't think. It's about this that I want to talk with you. We live today in a golden age. This is an era that man has looked forward to, dreamed of, and worked toward for thousands of years. But since it's here, we pretty well take it for granted. We in America are particularly fortunate to live in the richest land that ever existed on the face of the earth, a land of abundant opportunity for everyone. But do you know what happens? Well, let's take a hundred men who start even at the age of 25. Do you have any idea what will happen to those men by the time they're 65? These 100 men who all start even at the age of 25 believe they're going to be successful. If you ask any one of these men if he wanted to be a success, he'd tell you he did. And you'd notice that he was eager toward life, that there was a certain sparkle to his eye, an erectness to his carriage, and life seemed like a pretty interesting adventure to him. But by the time they're 65, one will be rich. Four will be financially independent. Five will still be working. Fifty-four will be broke. Now think a moment. Out of the 100, only five make the grade. Now why do so many fail? What has happened to the sparkle that was there when they were 25? What's become of the dreams, the hopes, the plans? And why is there such a large disparity between what these men intended to do and what they actually accomplished? When we say about 5% achieve success, we have to define success. And here's the best definition I've ever been able to find. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. If a man is working toward a predetermined goal and knows where he's going, that man is a success. If he's not doing that, he's a failure. Okay, so this is the light and great Earl Nightingale, and this is recorded probably in the early 1950s. So Earl says that success, or at least the best definition that he's ever been able to find for success, is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. So let's break that down. So first off, success is not stagnant. It's not something that there's an objective. And once you achieve that objective, you can call yourself successful. And I think that's a common misconception about success. Success is constantly moving. It's constantly changing. Look at the word progressive. Progressive is not stagnant. It's in constant motion. And if anything, it's in constant forward motion because it's progressive. So success is the progressive. So as soon as you start progressing, In any facet of life, the minute you decide to start, the minute you decide to go in that direction, you go from point zero to to point zero 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 one. That is a progression. And as soon as you make that progression, as soon as you make that start, whether that is real estate investing, that's starting your own business, that's that's doing it, it what it is that you love to do, as soon as you make that start, by definition of success, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Well, what's worthy? Okay, so let's think about that. What is worthy to you? What do you define as worthy? Worthy is anything you want it to be. If being at your day job for eight hours a day is a worthy ideal to you, then every action that you take toward that ideal is successful. By definition, every action that you take towards that ideal is successful. 
If real estate investing is a worthy ideal to you, every action you take towards that ideal, every step that you take towards that ideal is successful. But if real estate investing is an ideal that's worthy to you and sitting at your desk for eight to 12 hours is an ideal that's not worthy to you and you have not started going down the path to achieve something worthy in your eyes, then what are you doing? Even if you're successful in other people's eyes, if it's not worthy to you, how can you call yourself a success? Even if you've made partner at your firm, but it's not something that's worthy to you, it's not what you want to do. Tons of people would love to be in your position, but would you consider yourself a success by definition? What's worthy to you? Let's go back to this definition. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. So you constantly have to be going towards an ideal that you deem fits. So that means anybody, everybody can be successful instantly. The minute you decide to go after something that you want, you're successful. You don't even have to have had it yet. It may not even be in reach for the next year or two, but the fact that you're working towards that, you are successful. So how do you achieve success in 2018? Well, you start going down the path to do the things that you really want to do. What's worthy to you? I hope that clearly defines success for you in 2018. And now your feature presentation. Okay, okay, okay. So the top six reasons why you should purchase your first property in 2018. Reason number one, the power of leverage. Let's quickly side by side, make an example out of some of my favorite comparisons. Let's compare having $100,000 worth of real estate versus having $100,000 worth of stock. So if I were to go out today and decide to buy $100,000 worth of stock, how much money would I need to purchase that $100,000 worth of stock? I would need $100,000. Now, if I were to buy a building, a house, a single family home, whatever, if I were able if I were wanting to buy that and it costs $100,000, how much money would I have to spend to purchase that property? Well, the difference is with real estate investing, you and the bank, y'all are partners. Y'all do everything together. The good thing about your partnership is that the bank is willing to carry the load. The bank is willing to be the partner to hold you guys down. The bank is willing to put up most of the money and have you partake in most of the benefits. So if you were to buy a $100,000 house, the bank being your partner, on average, and we're just going to use simplistic examples for for today, on average, you would probably spend about $20,000. Your down payment being 20K. Just for simplicity's sake, the bank puts up 80K and you put up 20K. And now you have a $100,000 property. So on one hand, you've bought a $100,000 property for 20K. And on the other hand, you've bought $100,000 worth of stock for $100,000. There's this article that I came across the other day. And I come across this graph so often. And you guys, I'm sure you'll find it if you ever just decided to Google it. But the, the, the chart just basically shows the, the U.S. housing market appreciation versus the stock market appreciation. And you see this positive linear regression for both, meaning that they're both going up. 
But what the chart depicts is that the stock market on average does better than the real estate market over time since 1928. It's done better than the real estate market over time. Both are, are gradually going up. Both are getting better with time naturally, but the stock market is getting better. But there's a huge problem with this argument. The chart gives no credit to the income received over that period that you held the real estate as a rental property, if this is your investment. So what this chart and what these charts are often depicting are the appreciation that the real estate is realizing over that time. So if the appreciation goes up, then the chart is reflecting that. But the chart is not taking into account the rental payments that you're collecting every single month from the tenants. And that goes up too. So when you use cash flow, which is the amount that you're collecting every month from tenants, plus the appreciation of real estate versus the stock market, stocks actually don't stand a chance. And this point is even more true, even more true when you're using leverage. So let me give you guys an example. Let's use the same exact example. Your 100K in the stock market, if that appreciates by 10%, that's now 110K. So you've paid 100K to get $10,000. Your money has appreciated by 10%. Some would say that's pretty good. And it is, to be fair. Now, that same analogy used on a real estate asset. If you buy a real estate asset for 100K, because of the power of leverage, because of reason number one, you're able to only put down 20K. If that real estate asset appreciates by 10%, same as the stock market, from 100K to 110K, you have now earned 50% of your money. Not 10%, 50, 50 guys percent. How? Well, you only put up 20K. You put up 20K to earn 10K versus putting up 100K to earn 10K. Which would you rather do? Again, and this is just the power of leverage. We haven't even talked about the rental income that you'll be collecting every month. That's not even being factored right now. We're just talking about the power of leverage alone, the power of having the bank as your partner, the power of using other people's money. Reason number two, tenants are footing the bill. So that means that the tenants are responsible. So Let's rewind. Let's use that same example. So you have this, you're like, Dre, I have $80,000 in debt now. And I heard debt was bad. Debt is bad, but certain kinds of debt. Consumer debt is bad. So that means debt on a car. That means debt for your washer and dryer. That could even mean debt for your real estate if you're the one paying down that debt. But when you have debt, business debt, when you have debt that other people are paying, That is good debt. That is debt that you want. Let me explain why. If you put a 15-year mortgage on the property that you bought for $100,000, over the course of that 15 years, you will be earning rental income from your tenants. You would have only put down $20K. Over the course of those 15 years, those same tenants that are paying you, whatever it is that they're paying you every month, which is reason three, we'll get to that. Whatever it is that they're paying you every month, they're also paying down the mortgage. 
So if you have a property that's worth 100K and the tenants have paid down the debt, the mortgage on that 100K from 80K to zero in the next 15 years, you've literally put up 20K to be able to cash out on a $100,000 property once the tenants have paid down the mortgage. And oh, by the way, since real estate always increases in value, that property is probably no longer worth 100K anymore. Some say that on average, which I haven't found this to be true in my market, but some markets, yes. It's crazy to think about. Some say that on average, real estate prices double every decade. So if your property were to double by the time that 15-year note was paid off, you would have put down 20K to cash out on a $200,000 property. Think about how powerful that is. Think about how crazy that can get. But I'll save that. I'll save that. I'll save that. It's getting good, guys. It's getting really good. So reason number three, I talked about the fact that you're partnered with the bank, which is very good. (laughs) I talked about the fact that the tenants are the ones actually paying the bank back and you're getting all the benefits. Now we're going to talk about the fact that reason number three, you get paid excess cash flow every single month. Why do I say excess? Well, this is the cash flow component of a thriving life that we talk about so much on this show. This is our goal. This is this is our our bread and butter. What we what we're looking for when we go in, we try to get these real estate deals is this cash flow. So the tenants are paying. Let's say let's say that the mortgage, the, the you know the principal, the interest, the insurance, everything, the maintenance, the repairs, the capex, everything. That's required to keep your property running. Let's say that that costs $800 a month and the tenants are paying down that mortgage. With the $800 a month, you're able to pay down that mortgage. You're able to pay off all these expenses. You're able to do everything that you need to do to keep the business running. But you're not charging the tenant $800 a month. You're charging the tenant $1,000 a month. So now you have this extra $200 that you've created an extra $200, which is cash flow. So you're getting $200. We call this mailbox money. You're getting this, well, I mean, these days it's, it's now automatic. So electronic deposit. So you're getting this in the bank automatically on the first of every month, an extra $200 on top of everything that the tenant has already helped you take care of. How, how awesome is the life of a real estate investor? Just think about it. Now, some people ask, why do we look for cash flow? Why are you, lo- you looking for more cash flow now than appreciation? Now, no method is better than the other cash flow versus appreciation. I'd say no method is better than the other. It really just depends on your circumstances as an individual. What are your goals? Now, if your goal is to leave corporate America, is to leave your unfulfilling day job, is to convert into a full-time real estate investor, if those are your goals, then you're trying to build up. You're trying to stockpile your cash flow. You're trying to find deals that have the most cash flow so that you can replace your income. Again, going back to your goals, if your goal is to subsidize your income, if your goal is to have your real estate run parallel, if you love your daytime job and your goal is to just have that income on the side, maybe you're you're more so of an of a appreciation play. Maybe you're looking to win big. You have those type of options if you've already achieved your cash flow or the objective is not to achieve cash flow, but to create and add value. And we could talk about things like appreciation and forced, forced appreciation and the next reason, but that's kind of what you have to think about, okay? So you get paid excess cash flow every single month. This cash flow, by the way, 
in 2018 and over the past, I don't know how many years, rents have been on the rise and there is no sign of that letting up anytime soon. I mean, it's crazy, but it's not as crazy as Bitcoin is right now, right guys? <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin is crazy, but rents have been on the rise. And again, us being in 2018, guys, and uh, us being in a hot market right now, guys, I mean, who knows where the top is? And one thing that I will say is the best time to invest in real estate was yesterday. The second best time to invest in real estate is right now. Imagine how it would feel getting paid every single month, whether or not you got out of bed. Every single month, I get checks. Well, like I said, electronic deposits in my bank. I wake up and I'm like, wow, it's my birthday. It's an amazing feeling, guys. And I want all of you guys to be able to feel that feeling of being a true investor. There's a bad side to that. Don't get it twisted. I actually may be evicting my first tenant at the end of this month. And the timing couldn't be any worse because I'm literally out of the country for a little over three weeks. So I'm scrambling and I'm hoping it'll work out. I, I think I have a good feeling it may work out. I'll let you guys know, though. But I mean, you have to take the good with the bad, right? And the great thing about the market is I don't foresee any reason why I can't get another tenant in there. Okay, reason number four, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but reason number four is appreciation. Yep, there she is, guys. Probably the most familiar and the most sought after. I do want to say that through all the cyclical times that real estate has faced over the course of existence, over the longer period, though, over the longer time, over the all the cyclical cycles, over the ups and downs, over all of that, or if you if you if you take a look at the the grand big picture, over that longer linear line, it's a positive regression. What does that mean? That over the long term, real estate will always increase in value, no matter how much or how long it may decrease. So, meaning that it may go down, but it's gonna go back up. It's gonna self correct. This is largely why there are a lot of buy and hold investors. Some of these guys, they buy and hold forever because no matter how low the market, no matter how bad it gets, no matter, a lot of people were actually able to withstand the 2008 crash because they held. And now they're reaping all the benefits from it because, I mean, prices are skyrocketing. A lot of people got in trouble. Most people got in trouble during the crash because they were over leveraged. A lot of people got scared. A lot of people sold at the bottom because they didn't see it going back up. But if they knew what you know now, that real estate is very cyclical, but over the long term, it's always going to go up, then maybe they would have held. Imagine going back to that, that stock market versus real estate example. Imagine if you had that same 100K. <laughs> this is where it gets fun. If you had that same 100K, instead of putting that 100K in the stock market to get you $10,000, you put... 20k into five real estate assets worth 100k each because of the power of leverage you've now spent that 100k on half a million dollars worth of assets because of the power of leverage the bank has provided you with the other 400,000 now if that property increases by 50% 100% 150 200% in the next 15 years which is not out of the picture which is not something crazy so let's just use if it inc if it doubles in 15 years 
you would have spent 100K on five properties, 100K to purchase a million dollars of assets. Do you see how it can get crazy? Again, we're not touching on cash flow. We're just talking about strictly appreciation. This is, this is the game that some people play, but it's really fascinating. The baby sister to appreciation, I'm going to call this reason 4A, is forced appreciation. And I actually love forced appreciation. So I've never really watched any of those flipping shows on HGTV, but I can imagine that this is what they're implementing. And this point, this reason could actually be a reason all on its own because it's that important. It's that it can make that big of a difference in your business. It can be the model of your business is to force appreciation and sell. A lot of people do that. So let's just say there are five houses on a block and they're all worth $100,000, but your house as the sixth house is only worth $60,000. But that's because you haven't done any renovations. So you haven't put in new appliances. You haven't painted, you haven't added new carpet. You haven't replaced the roof. There are certain things that you can do to get your property to be worth the same amount because it's in the same neighborhood. It's the same property type. It's the same all across the board, except that everything that you have is old or outdated. So there are certain things that you can do that may not cost you as much as you think to get your property to be worth $100,000. So let's just say that your property is worth 60K and all the houses in the neighborhood are worth 100K, but all the uh, properties in the neighborhood have stainless steel appliances and you still have those white ceramic appliances and you go and purchase all new appliances for 8K and you go and buy, you do some light decorating, some light remodeling and maybe you add a second bathroom and all in all you spend 20k on the 60k property so all in you're at 80k but because you've now matched up the amenities and features of your property to the rest of the properties in the neighborhood you're able to sell your property at the same price that they're selling for at 100k so you've bought a property for 60k you've put in 20k renovations and now you're able to sell on the open market at 100k you've made a 20k spread that is called forced depreciation reason number five the business of investment property yes As a real estate investor, you automatically become a business owner. What does this mean? You pay more taxes? No, the exact opposite, (laughs) if you know what you're doing. You pay less taxes. You have more withholdings. You're able to mitigate against your current W-2 income. So you're able to take your tax, you're able to decrease your taxable income. I'm going to get into a little bit of this, but not too much. So you're going to have tax write-offs. As a business, you're going to have tax write-offs. So if you need to write off mileage, there's a certain way to do that. If you need to write off office space in your house, there's a certain way to do that. If you need to write off the lease on your car, there's a certain way to do that. The possibilities are endless. And this is yet another scheme, another tactic that real estate investors use that You don't necessarily see on these charts. You don't necessarily see these when people are saying that the stock market outproduces real estate because a savvy real estate investor is going to take advantage of tax breaks and tax incentives. And these incentives or breaks are not offered across all asset classes. One of those is depreciation. 
Now, I'm not going to get into depreciation because that's another subject for a whole nother episode. But just imagine, you know, at your corporate job, you're making $150,000 a year and you're paying upwards of $50,000 to the tax man before you even get your money, which is crazy to me. I don't see how people are doing that, but you're paying upwards of 50 grand a year before you even touch your money. And you feel as though there's nothing you can do about that. That's incorrect. As a business owner, especially as a real estate investor, you're able to have property, make money, make tons of money. Let's say you have this $100,000 property and you make tons of money. Well, the way that the accounting on that property works is that you can be in a position in which you make tons of money in actuality, but on paper, because of things like depreciation and how you account for it, you can actually show a loss. So it will come up as if your business has operated at a loss for the year, even though you've made money. What does this mean for you and how does this benefit you? Well, you're able to take that loss and offset it against your W-2 income. So if you had a $20,000 loss this year, your taxable income from your W-2 job is no longer is no longer $150,000 a year. You're now taxed as if you made $130,000 that year, even though you made way more money that year as your first property, as a first-time real estate investor than you've ever made with just your W-2 job alone, even though you've made way more money, you're being taxed way less. I hope I'm getting through to you guys. This is some awesome stuff. So I'm not a CPA, nor am I giving you tax advice. You know, I have to, I have to put this disclaimer in here. So consult your CPA for your individual needs. This is for entertainment purposes only, LOL. (laughs) You know, Grant Cardone talks about taking nine exemptions and a lot of people frown on that. It's always been at least the school of thought that I grew up with. It's always been a wonderful thing to get a tax refund. But you and I, in this day and age, we know better. We know a whole lot better. We know that a tax refund means that we overpaid the IRS throughout the year. And essentially, we're giving the IRS a loan So we're letting the IRS keep our money, our hard-earned money for a whole year doing whatever it is that they do with it, whatever it is that they want with it, turning it, flipping it, churning it, splitting it, whatever, doing all these things to our money for a whole year, loaning out our money. We've loaned our money to the IRS only to get our money back as a tax refund. That is not good, guys. Nowhere, no how, no way is that good. There is no reason why we should be doing that. Your money should be working for you throughout the year. Think about the opportunity costs of those dollars, what those dollars could have been building for you throughout the year. Rather than loaning that money to the IRS and being ecstatic that you have a refund check, no, that is not the way to play the game. So I'm sorry to hurt a lot of feelings. That is not how you want to play the game. The only reason that you ever want to have a tax refund check is if there's like a refundable tax credit going on under that administration or whatever. That may be the only reason, only reason. But apart from that, you want to keep your money throughout the year. This is why Grant Cardone and some of these people say, hey, nine exemptions, take as many exemptions as you want, take as many as you can and keep all of your money. And then whatever you owe Uncle Sam, you pay Uncle Sam. 
but you don't allow Uncle Sam to overcharge you and you don't allow Uncle Sam to borrow money from you throughout the year just to get a refund. You don't do that. Reason number six, last but not least, everyone will always need somewhere to live. In some ways, by that definition, real estate is the safest asset class, more specifically residential real estate. People can't live in their office buildings, I don't think, and not not on industrial sites, but I mean, you never know. So when it comes to risk mitigation, Bitcoin, the craze, has only been around <laughs> since 2009. It hasn't even been around for 10 years, guys. So as fascinating as it is, it's unproven. It is unproven. We don't know what is to come tomorrow. The stock market. We have no control over the stock market. You have no control over your Apple stocks. You trust that Tim Cook and that Jeff Bezos and all of them are doing exactly what they need to do to keep your stock rising and so on and so forth. But I mean, who really has control over this stuff? Who really understands these things? And how much time and experience and effort are you willing to put behind understanding that? It's also unpredictable. The stock market, by the way, is only about 200 years old. Well, DeRay, how can you control real estate? There's landlording. You can control your specific asset. You can force appreciation. Don't forget about forced appreciation. We just talked about that. There are many ways to control your asset. There are many ways to improve your asset. There are many ways to increase the value of your asset without getting permission from anybody else. Well, DeRay, how can you predict real estate? Well, things like job growth, job diversity, population growth, these are key indicators when it comes to real estate investing. These are what we rest our laurels on. These are, these are the things that we study. You want to know how to invest in real estate. You look at where the jobs are. You look at where the jobs are moving to. Again, everybody needs somewhere to live. You cannot live in the sky, at least not yet. How old is real estate? Well, that's like trying to find out how many licks it takes to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop. The world may never know. (laughs) So with that, my friends, those are the six reasons why you cannot afford to wait. And the six reasons why you should purchase your first investment property in 2018. Reason number one, the power of leverage, OPM, other people's money. The banks are looking, they're eager to partner with you. And the cool thing about banks partnering with you is that you have an experienced partner. You have somebody who knows exactly what they want in a real estate deal. They've seen real estate deals from from the 18th century to now, and they know what it takes for a good deal. So they're not going to partner with you unless they absolutely believe it's a good deal. So you know that if you have the bank partnering with you, this is post-2008, the whole subprime crash and things like that. These days, they've implemented a lot of fail-safes to make sure that they're only partnering on deals that they believe that are going to be fruitful for both the landlord or the investor and themselves. So leverage guys the power of leverage reason number one reason number two tenants are footing the bill what other means can you get somebody else to pay for a debt that you owe this is crazy 
tenants are footing the bill. Reason number three, you get paid excess cash flow every single month and you know cash flow is the name of the game. Lifestyle design. I tell people that cash flow is not about becoming a millionaire. It's not about making all this money. It's not about flaunting. It's not about, you know, living the life that that means that you have a stockpile of money. Cash flow is literally all about lifestyle design. The minute you achieve a couple, just a couple thousand dollars in cash flow, your life will change drastically. Reason number four, appreciation. Enough said. I don't even have to talk about her. She's good where she's at. Appreciation. (laughs) Reason number five, the business of investment property. You are now a business owner. Act like it. Write off those taxes. Write off that depreciation. I'm not a CPA. (laughs) Reason number six, we all need somewhere to stay. Real estate is not going anywhere. Bitcoin, I don't know. I'm not knocking it. I'm not hating. I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't need to live in a Bitcoin. So yeah, those guys, those are the six reasons. 2018 is going to go by so quickly, guys. It's not even funny. You guys saw how quickly 2017 went by. 2018 will go by just as quick. Two years ago, I was a big four accountant. You guys know my story. I was a big four accountant. And... If you don't know what a big four accounting is, just think of the largest, most prestigious accounting firms in the world. They take the top four. It used to be the big five. And before that, it used to be the big eight. And right now it's the big four, the top four highest grossing accounting firms. And that's kind of like the cream of the crop there. That's where everybody wants to be. That's where that, those are the dream jobs that you wish you can get coming out of college. Well, I got my dream job quote unquote, I was there. I was I was diligently working at a big four accounting firm and I did not like it. I hated not being able to see, to see the sun. You know, I was working 50, 60, 70, 75. I think I hit that 80 hour a week one time. No jokes. I hated not being able to control my schedule. Some of these things may sound familiar to some of you guys. And I know the pain. I know the struggle. I was there. I was not able to be productive. I was not able to spend, at the time I had a girlfriend, I was not able to spend time with my girlfriend. And she had a super flexible schedule. And I was working 70 hours a week, different city, different state. It was crazy. I mean, I loved the traveling, but I hated, I hated being told where to be, how long to be there. Oh, and let's not forget, make sure you're working 24-7 while you're there. Last but not least, I did the math and I immediately immediately saw how we were all hamsters on a hamster wheel just waiting to have heart attacks. Sorry for the visual and no pun intended, but actually maybe there should be some pun involved because if you think about how much an accountant sits and eats and works all day, literally just eating, eating. That's all we did. We ate and worked. We ate and worked. If we weren't working, we were eating. If we weren't eating, we were working. It was it was sickening. It was disturbing. So disturbing that a heart attack isn't completely out of the realm. So again, I mean, you, you can take my pun as intended. <laughs> but anyways, I hated it all. I knew it. My family knew it. My friends knew it. One year ago, man, one year ago, I had one unit I was a real estate investor because I had got my first unit one year ago. I had one unit. 
I was collecting $1,500 in gross rent and a few hundred dollars net. I lived on Zillow, LoopNet, Redfin, all of them. I had all the alerts set up and I was being outbidded time and time again. I was I was on the prowl, guys. I was trying to find my next property. I had caught the bug and I was ready to scale. I had even been locked up in a contract for four whole months only to have the seller renege and the bank pull the property. But look, what you don't understand about a year ago is that even then, even then, I was still successful as opposed to two years ago. I was successful because I was finally, I was actually working towards something that I believed. I was a success. As you guys know, that story, the whole four months under contract, the whole short sale, that story, for those of you that know, that's not the whole story. That's not even the half of the story. Some of you have read the article that I wrote on my 27th birthday, so you're familiar with the rest of that story. If you're not, I'll link to it in the show notes. Present day, I'm glad to say that we're going live on eight units and I move about as I please and I garner so much fulfillment from now directly helping people past their limiting beliefs. I couldn't be any more grateful, even with the downs such as lesson learns when attempting to add a 304 unit apartment complex to my portfolio this year. I'm still grateful. More on that in our newsletter at beforethemillions.com slash newsletter. But I'm grateful for it all. And that's all the more reason to appreciate the process. Appreciate the process, but only, only if you're striving for your definition of success. So success in real estate investing can mean different things to different people. Individuals that I'm personally interested in Individuals that I want to personally help are either individuals who love their jobs, who love their work, who love the environment, who love the interactions that they that they're in on a daily basis, but want to subsidize their income through through real estate and use real estate as maybe a risk mitigation tactic or a wealth preserver. But mostly the people that I really want to work with are people who feel as though they are overwhelmed and unfulfilled in their corporate pursuits and have a need or desire to pursue real estate investing as a means for financial freedom and maybe even location independence if you dare to dream such feats. If you're an individual with your mindset on buying your first investment property here in 2018, if you're absolutely serious, you understand the true value of real estate, not just what they portray in the media. You believe that if you could just navigate your way through your first deal, that the possibilities would then be endless. And your goal is to create cash flow through real estate so that you can leverage your time and efforts and do the things that you love or maybe even leave your unfulfilling job. But you may be hung up because you don't know where to start. (laughs) I'm also familiar with that. You're not sure if your plans make any sense. Again, I was there. Maybe you don't believe that you have the context and the connections to make this thing a reality. In fact, you just don't know what you don't know. Whatever the case is, I want to help you. And I believe that I can. So for the month of January and January alone, because I want you to make a serious commitment. I want this to be the ignition. January 2018, I want this to be the ignition that jumpstarts your year. One of the things I've decided to do is to take people who are in the early stages. And I mean, you don't have a clue. You don't know what you're doing, but you know that you're interested in real estate investing. You're interested in some of the things that you've heard me share on this podcast today. Or 
You've been investigating for a while. You've been listening to podcasts about real estate investing. And I know you know that there's so much information all over the web and it's everywhere, but you don't know who you can really trust. And how many people do you think are really, really doing this? My House Hack Secret students already know this, but my coaching rate one-on-one is $500 an hour. But between now and the end of January, I'm opening up eight blocks of time in my schedule. So for $300, you can hire me for a one-hour mentoring call, and I will spend one hour with you answering any questions you have about getting into your first investment, any questions about your strategy. You can ask me literally anything. I'd be happy to share my knowledge and experience with you. Literally, for less than two-thirds my normal rate at just $300 an hour. In fact, if you go to beforethemillions.com slash January, you can act now on my January 2018 special. It'll take you right to my calendar and you'll be able to choose a date and time that works best for your schedule. And right there, you'd be able to pay for the meeting to carry it and we'll book the call. So that's beforethemillions.com slash January, J-A-N-U-A-R-Y. And by the way, now is the perfect time. Now is the perfect time. The reason why I'm doing the special is because for some of you, you had plans to get into real estate investing in 2017. So in 2016, it was your goal that for 2017 and 2017, I'm finally going to figure out how all these people got into real estate investing and quit their jobs and left me with their workload. But you never did it. Well, 2018 is here. Now is the time. With $300, I like to help you get started on your journey. Head over to beforethemillions.com slash January and let's book that first call. So my friends, with that being said, happy new year, happy investing. Let's make this the greatest year yet. See you guys next week. Hey guys, quick update in October of 2018. So I know this episode was was recorded back in January, but I still get a lot of hits on this episode. And I know many people are, are, are always reaching out to the team and they're like, hey, I want to book that that call with DeRay. And things have drastically changed over the past, what, 10 months now? And first and foremost, my hourly rate is no longer $500, not even close. I don't say that to brag or boast, but I say that to let you guys know that just because things have taken off doesn't mean I don't want to help every single individual that reaches out. So that $300 call that I mentioned on this episode, on this show, you guys have access to that. Every single one of you guys have access to that for free. So what that means is you can go to beforethemillions.com slash talk, and we will hop on that one hour call and we will get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what your cash flow goal is for the next one year. Number two, what strategy you need to be able to start implementing and going towards your goal so that you have a clear, cut, proven, step-by-step way to get to your goal. And number three, the type of real estate asset or assets you're going to need to fully accomplish that goal if you want to do so through real estate. So we're going to get you crystal clear on those three things, guys. And this call is going to be probably the 
most powerful 45 minutes you've ever spent talking about your investing journey, talking about your real estate journey, and talking about kind of next steps to get you some clarity so that you can keep moving forward down your path. And again, guys, this call is totally free, totally free. So, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Let's get in there and let's unlock some of the limiting beliefs that you may have and let's get you to your goal. So again, to sign up for that free call, all you have to do is visit beforethemillions.com slash talk, and we will get on the phone very, very soon.